Oh, what an interesting morning it's been. What an interesting journey it's been now this week. If you're unaware, um, Zef caught or Zef got COVID this week. Um, came up on Thursday, and so um, with that, obviously created a whole bunch of different obstacles that we had to work through. And one of them is this. So this is kind of interesting as it is. Um, I'm preaching to a camera, although there are people on the other side in a completely different area. So uh, it feels like almost like I'm in the studio and you guys are on location and we're on a news thing and I'm like, uh, and back to you. Uh, but anyway, um, it's been a, yeah, a bit of an interesting journey, but I just want to give out a huge thank you to Dave and Victoria for the music and David for helping me make this happen. We had a backup plan, but I'm hoping that we don't actually have to use it at all. But I will probably have no idea if you have to use it at all unless I get a text message or someone contacts me. But uh, I'd also like to thank you, thank Elise, who um, sort of covered the fort while Melinda was away um, with Fivefold in the shop. And um, also Brad and Tamara, who have stepped up and, and done bits and pieces and made some deliveries for us and um, gone about and done some other things. But uh, we are... We are okay. Zef, um, Zef tested positive on Friday morning, came home Thursday from school with symptoms of COVID. Uh, we waited until Friday morning to test him and he was positive, positive, positive. It was a very clear line on the little rat test or little RA test, I should say. Um, Charlotte has shown symptoms. Um, she has a bit of a sore throat. Um, I got a bit of a sore throat, but nothing major. And Mel has obviously caught the brunt of it. Um, she is unwell, so please keep us in prayer. Please keep her in prayer um, as she continues, or as we continue to get better during this process. But don't just pray for us or other people in the church. Um, Sharia's son has COVID, and so they're in isolation as well. Um, Rachel um, tested positive for COVID last week, so they're in they're in isolation. So keep them both in prayer. Um, during this time. It's also important to understand that it's Raphael and Jason Griffith's birthday today. So give them a huge happy birthday if they're there. Otherwise see them on Facebook and contact them through that. But it's important that these things oh, maybe she get all this out and start. It's important in these times that we understand that even there is when an obstacle comes before us, there is a way through. Uh, and it's important that we learn that method to actually get through, not to try and run over it, not trying to get over it, under it, through it, or just stand still, but look at the obstacle in before us and see it as an opportunity. This week, David and I were having a chat, trying to work out how to do this. Um, I filmed a, a message yesterday, and um, that was our backup plan, but we were hoping that this would work because this is a new step for us. And so as the obstacle was presented before us where I was not able to be with you um, in the room, it became an opportunity for us to go, how can we upskill here? How can we learn new things? How can we grow and develop as a team? And uh, through the ingenuity of, of David and some gear that we bought during the COVID period, we were able to piece something together to make it um, take place and, and hopefully it all works and there's not a delay or there's not a and 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 that that was just me mucking around but there's so many things you can play with when it comes to sort of sound but this is just i suppose a wild concept as it is but it's also important that as melinda and i and the kids can't be with you in person we're with you in spirit you know we mel and i are not the church 
We are the pastors of the church, but we are not the church. Because the church is all of us. It's all of you. It's the body of believers that we, we come together and we join together in forming a community. That's what the church is. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's, it's the people. And it's important to remember that even though Mel and I can't be there, we can all be together in some form. And I just want to give another big thank you to, to our team who have really stepped up today, uh, really taken hold of the reins, and it's exciting to see that. But today, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings, and I'm hoping that the team is ready to do that, and we've got the bags ready, and the kids are at the aisles, ready to do that. If you want an envelope, uh, you can put up your hand and get an envelope, and we'll make sure that the envelope gets to you. But today I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball. I'm going to we're going to do a little bit of a physics lessons mixed in with the the word today, and um, I hope I don't lose you too much. But I uh, I did a little bit of physics at school. Um, not that I remember too much of it, but uh, it's amazing what a good textbook can do. The first law of thermodynamics states that matter cannot be created or destroyed completely. There is a similar moral principle in the Bible about good and evil. What you put out into God's creation, will bring a return for good and evil. Everything we do, we put out, it'll either come back to us as good or evil. What you add to the well-being of life on earth, you receive back in fulfillment. What you take and scratch and steal will be taken, scratched and stolen back. God desires to multiply that good through us now while we're here on this earth. That's why he created the church. So I'll be... I'd like to ask you uh, today, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you in return. Meaning, I'm asking you to step out in faith, present a measure to God, and I believe, and with faith, it will be measured back to you. And I'm asking you to, to give of your offering. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Interesting passage of scripture. But today, I want to thank you for your giving. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for everything you guys do. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the generosity of your people. And Father, I thank you for all that you're doing I thank you for your increase, your blessings upon your people. Open up doors of opportunity, increase in them, in all that they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if the kids want to, I suppose, go out, unless they already have gone out, I don't know, maybe I missed that. Um, but if the kids want to go out now, I'll wait for a few minutes and then we'll get in and get started. Unless I'm, actually, I'm sort of hoping that you guys are still there. Uh, otherwise, it'll be funny, won't it? I'll be preaching and someone will have cut me off and, and there'll be no content. Anyway, this is still a little bit of a wild idea, but anyway, we're working with it. So, it's all good. I just hope you've all had a... There's no kids' church. Thank you, Elise. <laughs> I, I just got a message from Mel as well. She's sound well. She's not even here, otherwise she'd be a coughing, coughing attack. But uh, apparently there's no kids' church. They have clipboards. That's awesome. So make sure, kids, that you are doing all your clipboards. You're drawing me a great picture. Maybe you can write me a letter or something saying, Get well, Pastor Pete. Or, Get well, Honey Mel. Uh, maybe we can do something like that. But anyway, 
My message today is a, is all about the unfathomable love of God, and this is con- included in my series on the limitlessness limit limitlessness of God and how important it is to understand that God is bigger than our understanding. God is bigger than uh, what we can comprehend and that includes his love for us. I can remember, I know it sounds so long ago, but I can remember um, when my kids were born. I can remember the hospital trip. I can remember what happened in that hospital. I can remember the process of of the kids actually being born and going through everything and the journey that we happened. And it didn't go as smoothly as we planned. I can remember being in that, we were in an operation room, uh, operating room, I should say, and the kids were born through emergency C-section. It was a time of mixed feelings. Even though we had a birth plan, we had planned it out, and Mel had her wishes, I suppose, but uh, the truth is, nothing went to plan. Nothing. We had to throw the whole plan, we had to throw it out. Um, it was more about the preservation of our children and about Mel um, than the plan that we wanted. And like I said, it was a time of mixed feelings and excitement and the reality of actually being a father, and, uh, but uh, also understanding or trying to walk through the surrounding situations that were, or were around the birth of our children. Um, Mel had an emergency C-section and that was mainly because um, Zeph's heart rate was dropping on the contractions to a dangerous level. So they wanted to get in, get him out quick and then deal with that. And even though we were walking through the process um, in this process of faith and just trusting in God, uh, at any point in time we, we weren't sure if we were out of the woods yet. But being a father for the first time it had its challenges. Uh, it wasn't a normal thing that you, you know, oh, I'm just an awesome father. It was something that you, you had to sort of adapt to and, and be, sort of grow into. But I can remember the feelings I had for my children. We were in that operating room. Mel was spread out on the table, looking like she'd been crucified. Uh, they had put Charlotte on Char- uh, Mel's side, and she was sitting with Mel, and then they brought Zeph over for... Well, basically, we had a couple of minutes. Not that Mel remembers any of it. I, be- I remember it. And, and we were there for a, for a few minutes as a family. And it didn't take very long. It was just they put him over. We could spend some time. And they whisked him away. And he was put on oxygen, put in an incubator, and, and tried to get make sure that they could be stabilized. And in the whole process of it, it was it's quite overwhelming. You know, what, what, what am I supposed to do as a father? How am I supposed to act? You know? But it was that love that you feel when your children are actually present. I mean, I loved them when they were inside my wife and when, when they're in the belly. And there were times that we have video footage of when Mel's sitting on the couch and all of a sudden the tummy moves and it drastically. And that's exciting. And then there's times when you can hear the heartbeat. And there's, you know, there's, there's times when uh, Mel was sitting in the bath and couldn't get out of the bath because they had moved and locked her in. But even during the whole process, even though there's this love that you feel for them, you, you know that they're yours, it doesn't come to the fullness until you actually see them. Until they're actually physically in your hands. And then when you, when you see them, it's like, oh, oh, I'm a father. I'm a parent. You know, these, these are our children. And, 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 and although I loved them before, my love for them, it, it wasn't that it grew, it just, it was established. It was more than just an image on a screen looking at that. 
It was the comprehension that they were living and breathing right there and right now. And my thoughts were simple. And during the whole process of the birth of them, my thoughts were really, really simple. It was whatever is best for them. I had my faith in my God saying, God, I know you love them. And I'm just going to walk through this process. And I can remember putting them in the back seats and they were very quickly overwhelmed by the back seats. They were engulfed by it. It was almost like they disappeared. And uh, as we were driving home, that father instinct Michael will fully grasp was, as we were discussing this a few weeks ago, you know, you, you start to become overprotective, like, oh, get back, stay back. Um, it was almost like this, this, the best way I can describe it, it's almost like an inner conflict. Do I drive fast, just speed so I'm off the road quicker? Or do I drive slow and be cautious? I might be on the road for longer, but what do I do? And through the whole process, it was about trusting in God, having faith in God. I knew the kids were in the Father's hands. I knew that His love for them was greater than I could comprehend, and He loved them before I ever did. But I just needed to trust Him through this process. I needed to know He loved them even more than I ever could. And that what was best for them, what was needed at that point in time, was going to take place. And I remember the moment that they were sitting, that we were all together as a family for those moments before they were whisked off, just the four of us. And that love that sparked and that realisation that this was our family now. That was a special time, but it's also a time of realisation. Oh my gosh, this has really come about. This is really taking place. This is happening. But the truth is, the love begins to merge and it needs to mature, or it does actually mature. And when you're going, and when you're learning to deal with the children and, and, and how you respond to them, it all comes from a position of love. We discipline out of a position of love. We correct out of a position of love. We bless out of a position of love. And the greater the level of understanding of love, the greater we can deal or share and express that love. And as a parent, you want to give them the world. Why? Because you love them. But you don't want the world to hurt them at the same time. And finding the balance is this vital part of parental sanity, if you want to call it that. Finding that, oh, I'm going to let you explore, but at the same time, I want to protect you. And if we overprotect them, and we stop them from actually experiencing life as it is. But we all have this love for our children. And it's hard to describe it. You just love them. I muck around with my daughter and say, oh, I love you. And she says, I love you more. And we play this game of I love you more and you love me more. But even as a child, I couldn't comprehend the love my parents had for me until I was walking in those footsteps of myself and I could understand that I had a love for my children that was greater than I could comprehend. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, You ask for a loving God, and you have one. And the consuming fire himself, the love that made the world persistent as the artist's love for his work, and despondent as the man's love for a dog, provident and vulnerable as a father's love for a child, zealous, exorbitant, exulting as love between the sexes. How this should be, I do not know. It passes reason to explain why any creatures, not to say creatures such as we, 
should have a value so prestigious in the Creator's eyes. How true. And then we come to this passage of Scripture that encapsulates what I want to say today. It's a passage of Scripture that's been so overread, I suppose. So read and read and read. You see it sometimes at sporting games, particularly in America. But it's a passage of Scripture that we can become so familiar with that we miss its importance. And it's found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What causes a father to love to the extent that is willing to give himself up for his child? I know if you ask any of the parents the first initial thing is I would gladly give up my life for my child. But it's this love that God has for us that is hard to grasp because it extends beyond that. It's a love that in the Greek it's called agape and, and we have four different meanings for the word love in the English translation. Well, we have one English translation, but there are four Greek translations, I should say. It's unconditional, the depth of this love that God has for us. A limitless love for His creation, for His creatures that seeks out and restores. That brings forth restoration to His people. That pursues each and every one of us until we're in that rightful place that we need to be in right relationship with Him. Why? Because that love that he has for us feels and cannot even be described, but reaches out and says, I love you, therefore I need you to be in rightful place with me. God's nature is founded in his love. His, his sheer nature is love. And the, comp the conflicting concept is that we can then begin, well, God loves me, he forgives me, therefore it's okay for me to walk in sin. But it's not. Because his love doesn't give us a license to sin. It's his love that pursues us to overtake us, that protects us and restores us. But it doesn't give us a license to sin. It's a love that sees beyond our sin and sees his creation, his, his love, his child. And this love is difficult to understand. How can a God who loves us also allow so much evil and so much death and so much misery and sadness in this world. But then we need to understand that it's His love that also gives us choice. And because God is love, it coincides with choice. When you love something, you give choice to that. And He gave us choice to choose Him. Because if he wasn't, if he was, if he was anything but love, and he took away choice, then he couldn't actually be love. Because it's love that actually grants choice. Because it's not that we're forced to love him; we are invited to. And it's our love that actually allows us to walk in obedience to his word. And the greater level of love that we can express is the greater level of obedience we can walk into. And there are so many key words in this passage of Scripture. And we don't have time today to go through everything unless you want to sit there for the next hour or so. But it's important to understand that God loved 
the whole world. It's not that just this little part. It's not just the good in it. It's not just the bits and pieces he so choosed. It's that he loved the world. He so loved the world. It's, it's going from love to a next level and saying it is so loved. He so loved the world that he loved it truly. He, he desired to give to it. And it's important to understand that love, how do you put this? It's so hard to comprehend sometimes because it's beyond sometimes our, our ability to grasp it. But love desires to give. And this trueness of how we express it, we need to first understand that love gives. Lust takes. I mean, the definition of love is loving another at the expense of self or giving to another at the expense of self. My sacrifices as a father can be expressed through love by what I sacrifice to give to my children. Love gives, lust takes. Lust is the expense of another at the benefit of self. But love gives. I mean, the word love used here in the original is the word agape, meaning an unconditional love. There are no conditions to this love. There are no strings attached. There are no tick boxes to tick saying, I need to fill these in to actually feel love or be loved. And even the love goes that God expresses to us is greater than just a feeling. We actually have to get to this point where we no longer just feel love or feel the Father's love, but we walk in it even when we don't feel it, knowing that He loves regardless. There are no conditions to this love. He freely gives His love. And as humans, we've tried to emulate this love with each other. But that becomes very, very difficult. And the truth is, I don't, I don't think anybody has actually been able to. Not without him. No one has really mastered the ability to love another person properly in the same context that God loves us without him. He gives love, regardless of our sins. We can sin, we can all fall short, but he still loves he loves regardless of what we've done wrong. He loves regardless of what we said, what we're doing. Even when we fight the process, he still loves. I mean, Jesus was sent even before any of us were born, over 2,000 years ago. And it still is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So even before we existed, God loved. So God loves even before we have actions that walk in our own sins, God loves. God loves you beyond your sin. God loves you before your sin. God loves you when you're in your sin. He just doesn't like the sin. The whole world, not just a little bit, the whole world has been bitten by sin. It's this sinful nature that we have that we emulate by our choices based on lust. It's this sin that separates us from this love because it's not that God doesn't love us anymore, it's but we separate ourselves from it by sin. It trains us and it slowly seeps into our very nature to do that which is not God's original plan for us. That's why there is evil in this world. That's why there are wrongdoings. That's why there are people who don't love each other in this world. It's because we have allowed 
lust to seep into our very nature and to become part of us. We have rejected that original love that God has for us, that pure love that God has for us, and we have decided to choose to walk in another way. God's love does, God doesn't love men's sin, I should say, or even the wicked world system of men's choices or men's lust, but he loves people. He loves people beyond their sin. His, his people, his creation. He loves everybody, even the person who's the most wicked. And in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you can understand this passage of Scripture. and That's why we don't judge, because we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. We've all missed it by even just a squidgen. But we've all missed it. And yet he still loves and His love never changes, regardless if we do or not. His love never changes if we walk away from it, if we deny it, if we pretend it's not there, if we try and run from God. His love is still there. He still loves us. It never changes, regardless of what happens. Paul begins to write, he says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things nor things to come, nor powers can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing, nothing that separates us from the love of God. It's still there, even when we choose to deny it. And before our initial moment of salvation, before the fact that we are saved, right? that, that present time when we make that choice, I believe there's a process to being saved, that we are saved, at the point of making that decision, that we are being saved and that we will be saved. This love that God has for us is continually working in our lives and manifesting itself as it brings forth change and transformation in our minds through the washing of the word to bring us to that place of greater understanding of his love. And it's his love that changes us. See, we were all lost at one stage. We were all lost because you can only be found or be in that place of understanding when you are in the Father's love. And it's the Father's love that sorts us out. It's that Father's love that not only brings us close, but also brings correction and guidance and walks us in the right direction as he walks with us through the whole process. And it's not until we acknowledge and respond his love or respond to his love that we can allow it to work within our lives. And it's because of the Father's love that He saves. It's the Father's love that He sends His only Son. That He sends His, his Son to die on us so we can have, then have access to that love. It's His love that sent His Son, but it's also the love that we get access to. It's His love that gave to us. It's, it's His love that doesn't hold back. It's a love that gives. And just like the Father gave to us, we too need to give it's His love that brings hope. See, we weren't just spared. We weren't spared. We were saved. And it's more important to understand that what we were saved to than what we were saved from. I might have been saved from my past, my sins, my wrongdoings, all the bad things that I've done. But I have been saved to a future. And it's that love that goes, I will forget what you have been saved from. So you can be saved to something. And the only person who keeps a great memory of what we've done is ourselves. 
Because when we become born again, it's his love that washes us clean. I mean, the slate that's written on all, if you want to put it as like a slate or a book that's written on all, all the th- wrongdoings we've done, God says, no, they're gone. And white washes them. They're washed clean. They're gone. They no longer remember. So when you bring up, oh, God, forgive me for that sin I committed five years ago that I've already repented for. God's like, what are you talking about? My love covers a multitude of sin. My love has already washed that away. It is gone. It is forgotten. And so what we are saved from is not as important as what we are saved to. And it's his love for us that brings us into that place. And when we receive his love for us, when we understand that what I have done is no longer there, I have been forgiven because he loved me, because he sent his only son, I am forgiven, it is gone, it is forgotten, and now I can transition to what I am loved to. And as I allow him to love me, as I allow his love to penetrate me, and as I receive more and more of his love, I begin to walk it out. And I begin to walk what I'm called on this earth to actually pursue. And I am able to walk in his greater level of love and to express his greater level of love to all those around me. Because it's his love. That changes me. It's his love that penetrates my hardness of heart and transforms me into the person I am. It's his love that he sent his word that begins to wash my very soul. It's his love that softens my heart. It's his love that begins to crack the hardest of places. And it's this love that he has for us that is limitless. It's this love that we struggle to comprehend because we view his love through our understanding of our love. How I love another person is how I end up receiving his love. But his love is one that never fails. His love is constant. That even though I fall short from from day to day, it remains constant. Even though I don't walk in the same level of love that he expresses me in, and I fall short of it, it always remains. It's a love that expresses itself through forgiveness and washes me clean. It's a love that washes me white as snow. It's a love that forgets my past and only speaks of truth and what lies ahead. It's a love that doesn't look at my wrongdoings, my faults, but it's a love that sees my potential. It sees my finished work. And when you, when you hear what God has to say about you, it's never about what you've done. When God speaks to us, it comes from a place of love and it's never about your past. It's always about your future. And when he speaks to you, it's always calling you out. If you look at the story of Gideon, Gideon comes from the smallest family. He comes from the weakest tribe in that family. He's the weakest. He's the youngest. And when God calls Gideon, he says, Oh, valiant warrior. Because how God is speaking to Gideon is through a place of love. He's not saying, Oh, that's where you are right now. He's saying, That's what I've called you to. That's where I see you from a finished point of view. You are a valiant warrior. Although Gideon didn't see himself in that place, He didn't understand that God was speaking to him through a position of love. And so we can miss how God loves us because we are so so 
locked into this position of our own comprehension, our limitless. We have this limited mindset of understanding who God is and how he works simply because we don't let his love move in us. And the more love that I have from him, it begins to swell within me and, and changes me. It's his pure love that's untainted, that cleanses me and transforms me and removes expectations or agendas. See, we, we struggle to understand God's love because our love has agendas. And even when we don't want to admit to it, our love has agendas, you know. But his love is unconditional. Our love comes with oftentimes expectations, but his love doesn't. His love says, I, I still love you. Regardless, I love you. I love you. And we struggle to receive it fully because we don't love in the same way. We expect a but or a catch. We expect conditions to it. And we expect to I don't know, leave it. And depending upon how you have experienced love beforehand can greatly impact your ability to receive his love. And if I haven't had the best experience of being loved, then I will struggle to have the great experience of receiving his love. Simply because that's how I understand it. And this is how one of the enemy's tools is he wants to come in and break down our comprehension of how to be loved by setting us up with people who don't know how to love. And then when we're set up with people who don't necessarily know how to love us in our natural ways or in the right way, we, we struggle to receive his love for us. I mean, my, my experience with my father hasn't been great. I mean, my comprehension of a father's love was tattered. And so part of my journey was beginning to transform and, and beginning to change my mindset of how to receive a father's love. Because my experience was, I do something wrong and I'm going to cop it. And it was conditional. That if I, kept, if I did the right thing, then my father would love me. But that's not how God works. God doesn't work in this process of only if you do the right thing. And if you follow my rules, if you follow my principles and regulations, then you can experience my love. No, it's unconditional. It is freely given. And it's just a matter of receiving it. And the more love we receive from him, the more love we can walk in. And as a matter of fact, it begins to affect our ability to walk in obedience. It's his love that judges not. It's a love that when you experience it, it causes you to want to be right. It's a love that when you experience, when you walk in it, changes your very soul, changes your very being. And you have this greater desire to go, I want to be in your love. I want to do the right thing. I want to live up to it, even though there's not a condition to it. There's no conditions that we have to be worthy of this love. Yet when you feel this love, when you walk in this love, you have this desire to then get more of it. And you want to be good enough to be with it, to be in it. Yet you can't be. It's a love that is free. And the reason why this love is freely given is because the cost or the price has already been paid with the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that when he died on the cross for us, 
He paved the way for us. That we no longer have to pay the price of this love by animal sacrifice, but through walking in this love or walking through obedience by receiving more love. This love that God expresses over his children is free to all who wish to receive it. But when you understand what Jesus did for you, desire to make the blood worthwhile. And this is where Paul begins to start discussing faith without works is dead. Because when you come to the comprehension, when you come to the understanding that what Jesus did for me, he paved the way that God sent his only son because he loved us, so then we could walk in a further greater level of love, then you have this desire to make this blood worthwhile. And you want to put your faith into action. And because you want to put your faith into action, there is an outworkings of your works. But we are not saved by our actions. We are saved through faith alone. The love that God has through creation is unmatched. Because we have never and will never encounter anything like it. The world cannot offer you the same level of love that God does. The world cannot offer you anything that matches what God can uh, give you. It's completely unconditional. It's never ending. If you were to pour out a jug, the jug has limited space in that jug. And so eventually it begins to pour out. But if you actually connect that jug up to a spring of natural water, if you actually look at a natural spring, the natural spring doesn't run out. And this love that God has for us never ends. It continually pours out. So it's a matter of how much do you want. You can receive all that you need. You can receive all that you can if you just choose to. It never runs out. The love that we can express to another can be weighed. It cannot be weighed against it. But we have this ability that when we walk in His love for our lives, then we can express His love through us to others. But our level of love is not the same league as His. And that's why people always need to make sure that we are not going to another person, but we are always going to the source of the spring of love. We are always going back to God. Because even though I can express His love to other people, I'm not God. The love that we can express to another cannot be weighed against the love that God expresses to others. We are not in the same league. But receiving it is often the struggle. Simply because how we receive another's love determines or can determine or can have an impact in how we receive his love. We try and comprehend his love in our simple minds based upon our experiences and yet we fall short. My father wounded me, I've said this before. And so how can I feel love past my experiences of love? My father let me down and, and there's so many things you can add to a list. But the truth is what we do need to do is we need to receive his love. And we need to grow in our ability to receive his love. Not just through our own understanding or experiences, not judged by not judging ourselves or judging our ability to receive love by what we've experienced or how someone's granted us love or how we've received it before, but through the knowledge of how another, not through the knowledge of how another treated, but like a child through faith. We receive it through faith with innocence. 
And it's about understanding or getting to this point of revelation where I begin to put aside the wrongdoings and stop holding myself against my wrongdoings. Stop holding my wrongdoings, my faults, and saying, oh, that's what measures me. It's wrong. It's not correct. What we've actually been done has been completely and utterly forgiven. Washed clean. That means everything that we have done, that we've repented for, is gone, dusted, no more. What I am today is not my past. I, cannot long, I can no longer measure my past against my present. I cannot, cannot measure my future against my past. Because in the Father's eyes, I have no past. And we, as believers, need to let go of the hurts of the past. Because we are the ones who remember it, not God. We are the ones who hold it against ourselves. And we allow the enemy to then grab that sin or grab our past and hold it against us. That's why there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because there cannot be. It's impossible because you've already been forgiven. And because you've already been forgiven, God cannot hold your past against you. It is impossible. But it's why it becomes a stumbling block. Because we remember. We hold our past against ourselves. We hold our past against our futures and say, that determines where I can go. And it's simply not true. It's a lie. And that comes from the father of all lies who holds the lies against us, who lies to us. And the truth of the matter is, you have been forgiven. You have been set free from your past to walk in your future, a future of love, a future of hope, a future of faith. But you need to walk in the faith in order to receive the fullness that God has for you, His love. We need to receive His love daily. And it's a constant receiving that brings forth healing. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. It's that, that love that I receive that actually heals the brokenhearted. It's the love that I feel that fills the emptiness and the deep scars of rejection that I might have. It's his love that perfects or restores the soul that I have. The wounds, the hurts, what people have said about me, what I've done about me, my wrongs. It's his love that fills those gaps. And the more I push them out, the more I let them go, the more I receive his love, the more room there is for more of his love. It's not that... There's limited space in my life for His love. There is a limitless amount of space for His love in my life. And it's just about making room. And how I make room is I get into His love. I get into His presence and I say, God, there is room for you. Each day, each day I get up, I, I allow the water of the Word to wash away I allow the water of the word to wash me clean, to make room to be able to receive his love. I get up and I say, I am loved by God. I go to sleep and I say, I am loved by God. I no longer have to walk in what I did walk in. I no longer have to grab hold of my past. I no longer have to remember it. I no longer have to measure myself up against it. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. I am loved by Him. And the more I make room for Him, the more love can fill the voids. Because His love is limitless. 
And the truth is we cannot escape it. It's all around us. It's everywhere. It just comes down to a matter of whether or not we choose to receive it. And how much we choose to receive it. That's why reading the word of God every single day is important. That's why prayer is important. That's why praise and worship is important. Because it's a matter of us getting to that place of loving. And praise and worship is an expression of the love that we have for him. The greater level of love that we receive. The greater love we can express. And the, war, the word of God washes us. And pray can be asking and guidance and walking through the situations in our lives as he grants us greater level of love. But it's his love that heals the brokenhearted. And it's his love that came at a price. It was his love that was bore on the cross that died for us so we could have access to him, not from just our past, but also to what we accord to. Because we're not just saved, we are being saved and we will be saved. It's this continually process of allowing His love to penetrate our hearts. Even the hardest places. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're far from Him. If you don't understand this level of love that is available to you, or maybe you've never experienced it, or you never understood it, or you walked away from it, then I challenge you to get right with Him. Allow you to be in this place of love with Him. Allow His love to penetrate your life. Allow His love to heal your brokenness. Allow His love to, uh, to walk in your future. If you want to see one of the team today, you're more than welcome to go see one of them. Go express it. They can share it onto me and I'll get in contact with you. But we're going to pray. We have morning tea and there's, there's tea and coffee afterwards, I'm hoping. Otherwise, I'll get a message saying it's not. But I'm pretty sure it's on. Um, stay a while, chat with each other, connect with each other because it's all about community. It's about community coming together and connecting through the hard times and the difficult times and saying, hey, we got this. We're together. I just want to tell you that we've been blessed by how many people have reached out and said, hey, do you need anything? Um, my mother did and I, I basically said, I need steak. Still waiting for it, but it, maybe it'll come. But I'm going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. I want to thank you for standing with us during this time, even when we are unable to be with you in the room, but we are together in spirit. Father, we just pray. Eh? Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless your people. Father, this week, a greater level of love will come through. This desire to walk in your love, this desire to know you to another level will be evident. Father, and as they read the word and as it washes away all the muck and as it washes away all the wrongdoings, that we fill those gaps with your love. That we'd make time for your love. That we would allow your love to move through us and walk in us every step of the way. That, Father, we wouldn't compare ourselves to our old selves. We wouldn't compare ourselves to our sin. But we would walk freely in the love that you have for us. Bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.